Welcome to the Wellbeing Room. I'm your host, Leah Cooper from the Centre of Key. In this podcast, you'll hear stories of my own wellbeing journey, and you'll also be meeting some special people along the way who'll be sharing their stories too. As you listen, I hope you get inspired to improve your own well-being and get more out of life. In today's episode, I'll be sharing with you my story of how I was a selective mute when I was a child and how I overcame this condition. Before we get started though, I would like to ask you to become a supporter of the show. For as little as $5 a month, you can contribute to keeping this show active and so I can deliver content to you on a regular basis. Just find the support this show link in the show notes below. All right, let's get into today's episode. When I was a child, I was a selective mute. Now, if you don't know what a selective mute is or you haven't come across this before, a selective mute is someone who doesn't speak in a certain situation. They selectively mute themselves. So I spoke at home around my family. Um, If guests were over, probably not so much. I'd be a bit quiet. And when we left the house, going to school, going to the shops, what have you, as soon as we were in a public place, I either didn't speak or only whispered. And this obviously became a problem for me as I was getting older, uh, especially at school, getting teased, getting hassled by teachers. uh, And yeah, it was very challenging. So I'm not entirely sure why I became a selective mute. I can only guess uh, the circumstances. I do recall my mum telling me, that when I was very young, only a few months old, that she had to go in hospital into hospital for an extended period of time. I'm not sure how long that was. It could have been a month or two. I'm, I, I don't actually know. And because she wasn't around, we were looked after by, I think, a nurse of some kind. And my dad was working a lot, so he wasn't around too much either. And because of that, I feel that I probably experienced some sort of trauma, you know, separation from my mother at a very young age. Of course, my sister as well, a couple of years older than me, would have had her own traumatic experience associated with that. And so I believe that may be the cause or the starting point of of how this all began. So fast forward to, you know, eight or nine years old, Um, and I'm in primary school and I'm not speaking or I'm whispering, Uh, I'm having it hard to make friends or, you know, I feel very on the outside of things. I I don't like speaking. I don't participate in class activities like show and tell, you know, getting up in front of the classroom and telling people about your week or your weekend or something exciting that you did uh, is something I just avoid wholeheartedly. I'm sure there were times when I did speak or or possibly maybe I sang. Singing maybe wasn't as difficult as as talking. I honestly, you know, my memory is very hazy on the whole subject, but there are certain things I do remember. And I do remember my mum taking action. Uh, And I really just want to share this today because Obviously, there are children out there today still struggling with this condition, selective mutism. It's not, um, I think it's like one in 100 or one in 150 
out of every child in Australia has this condition. So it's not, uh, it's not uncommon necessarily. And, and I know that everyone has a different experience of it. You know, the, the child, the parents, the family, you know, everyone's got a different way of dealing with it um, and trying to understand it. But every child who has this condition will have their own trauma associated with why they have this condition. And like, I'm no psychologist, unfortunately. Sometimes I wish I had studied psychology at this point in my life, but I haven't. So I'm just speaking from experience, my personal experience today. And if your experience is different, I honor and respect that. And I would be very interested to hear what your experience is too. So if you wanted to share your experience with me, please get in touch. So when I was eight or nine, my mom started taking me to different child psychologists in the hope that this psychologist would unlock the mystery of my inability to speak in public. And I remember being taken around to different, you know, I'd try one psychologist and they wouldn't have any luck. So I'd go to another one. I don't know if I went to that many, but I do remember two specifically. And in all honesty, I was so scared going to those psychologists. They didn't seem very friendly, even though they did with deal, dealt with children. They seemed quite old in relation to obviously myself and my parents. They seem to be quite older women, you know, maybe late in their career. I don't know. Everyone seems a bit old when you're quite young, but they just came across as quite old and scary, not helpful for someone who's traumatized. And I remember being one specific time being asked to put being put in a room, you know, there's a, a couch or a chair and a table and like a coffee table in the center and a recording device, you know, with a cassette tape and a microphone. And, and the psychologist, she said, I want you to speak into the microphone. I'll leave the room. You talk into the microphone so I can, you know, hear your voice. You know, of course, her thinking being that if she's not in the room, I'll be able to speak. Now, this was like, uh-uh, this ain't happening, lady. <laughs> I just remember sitting there looking at this microphone going, do I want to speak? Can I speak? Um, I don't know what to say. I don't really feel like, you know, there was this, all this emotion and trauma coming up in this experience of, you know, just to do this thing of speaking into a microphone. So, of course, uh, I, may, I think I may have recorded something, but, of course, I only did it in a whisper. <laughs> I wasn't going to give her my voice. Like, that was something that was really precious to me. So, yeah, so that was very interesting. So another thing that these psychologists gave me were these cassette recordings of relaxations. So um, I think it was them recording, you know, these sort of visualizations, almost hypnotic kind of talking through of a relaxation. You know, you're uh, you know, counting down to 10 and then you're walking, visualizing you're walking on a beach and feeling the sand and da-da-da-da-da and, you know, all this kind of stuff. And I do remember listening to those at home, uh, lying on the couch and, and I think falling asleep most of the time listening to them. You know, I guess it did bring about some relaxation, but it wasn't the salve that I needed to fix what I was experiencing. You know, I was probably also housing trauma you know, generational trauma from my parents, from their parents, um, just trauma of, of being in a, in a household where perhaps emotional resilience or emotional expression wasn't um, well understood, you know. Um, the role modelling wasn't there as far as emotional expression goes. And, and so it all sort of compounded to this point. 
And then finally, my mother took me to a speech therapist. So this was this was groundbreaking. Um, I remember seeing this woman, you know, she seemed to be very calm and gentle and she seemed a lot younger than the other people I'd been seeing. And she took a very pragmatic approach in a way to the experience I was going through where um, her you know, her consulting rooms were in an older house, you know, it felt very relaxed. Um, her office was in one of these rooms in this house. And I remember it being fairly, you know, white and, you know, bright and open and, and not dark or oppressive. And, you know, she took me into her room and um, basically she took the approach of teaching me to speak again, basically starting with vowel sounds, starting with the sounds of the alphabet and just making those sounds, you know, not worrying even about talking about words or sentences, just making sounds. That was like the first step in this process. Uh, and I honestly don't remember everything about this experience. It was, you know, over well, it was eight or nine, I'm 47 now. So yeah, you do the math. So <laughs> nearly 40 years ago. Um, so it's hard to remember precisely what we did but I, I there are certain things I remember so like I said the the sounding of the vowels the sounding of the alphabet um, putting sounds together um, and then gradually repeating words and you know getting to a point where then I could read comfortably like I remember reading her books and things like that as my treatment progressed and then you know eventually going out to do little little tasks like going to the corner store across the road and buying some lollies or there was one time I think close to the end of my treatment where she took me to a like a lab a sound lab type place and you know I spoke into a microphone I could see on this monitor the sound waves that my voice was making so you know that had some impact on me and, and then being able to speak on the phone as well like exercises where I would have to answer the phone and, you know, ask who's calling and things like that or making calls to other people, like friends, obviously, not just random people. <laughs> so the other things that she included in my treatment were she taught me the salute to the sun, which is a yoga sequence of movements with breath. And interestingly, I'm actually a yoga teacher now. So I think that definitely planted a seed for me as a way of regulating my emotions and my sense of self and my, you know, it all, I find yoga a very um, powerful practice. And again, it's something I've been practicing now since I was properly practicing since I was 20 years old. But she also, uh, I'm pretty sure there was some homeopathy. I remember taking these drops uh, for whatever reason. And she gave me a healing crystal as well, which I would wear around my neck. So all this interrelated into one and and then the transition that I made from leaving my primary school at the end of grade four and starting a new primary school at the start of grade five, that was the turning point. That was when I could speak again in public. It was sort of like the stepping stone, like I'm leaving this one environment where I've been a certain way and I'm now getting this opportunity to enter a new environment where I don't know as many people, where I can start afresh and I can now use my voice. And, and so that worked out really well, you know, the timing wise, as far as being wanting to vocalize again and being put into this new situation, which of course, you know, comes with its own set of, you know, starting a new school um, comes with its own set of anxieties 
that we face. I, luckily, it was a transition where there were other people that coming from my past school that were coming with me into this new school. Um, so I wasn't alone, so to speak. Um, but yeah, so there was this experience of obviously transitioning into a new environment, new teachers, etc. And in that environment, I did really well. I was able to speak. I was the reverse of or the flip side of what I had been before. I was able to stand up in front of the class and give a speech, which was something we had to do in, in this school. And I remember getting comments from people in my class, oh, you know, you'd be a great newsreader or something like that. So, you know, a, talking about a profession that uses their voice as a way of communicating in public. Uh, so it was very interesting that this all happened. However, I would like to say that although I did learn to speak again, I don't necessarily necessarily feel that the trauma that I had been through as a child was, was resolved or healed. Um, it's only as I've gotten older that I've come to realise that whatever I experienced or, you know, and it wasn't just one event, it's obviously the accumulation of a lot of events over time have led to this inability to communicate fully. So now I'm more able to speak in public, like here I am showing up today. Yet at times I find it very challenging to express myself in, in, in you know, intimate or family close relationships. So Again, I believe there's a, a nervous system correlation between the two. Uh, there's this, you know, nervous system dysregulation that happens when confronted with a situation where I find it difficult then to express myself for fear of hurting others or for fear of saying the wrong thing or for whatever reason, saying something that I know is going to upset someone and, you know, and wanting to protect them from feeling sad or hurt or unloved. So it is a tricky situation to navigate. And I just want to share that, you know, for parents of children experiencing selective mutism, um, I'm sure it is a very difficult situation for you to go through. And I'm sure your child is also experiencing difficulties uh, as they go through this process of finding their voice again, of wanting to speak again, of learning to speak again. It, and it's, it's so wonderful that the, the psychology associated with this has, I believe, probably improved since when I was a young child going through this experience. I'm sure there's a lot more research that's taken place, a lot more empathy, um, as a way of understanding it, um, there's probably a deeper understanding of the whole trauma and nervous system cycle that's associated with the with this condition. So, yeah, it's 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 pretty intense. Like just speaking about it now, I'm I'm feeling things that I haven't felt for a while, and I'm I'm uncovering deeper things inside of myself as I express about this topic. So, so where am I now? You know, why is this important to me now? That's a really good question. <laughs> I don't, I think this whole selective mute thing is something that I've carried inside of me my whole life. It's not necessarily ever going to go away. It's part of 
who I was as a child. And, and I think, you know, as I get older, you know, we still sometimes feel like we're children in, in adult bodies, don't we? Uh, we're still dealing with emotions and experiences from our childhood as we get older. You know, we do need to spend some time healing and working through these emotions and experiences that we've had. It's just because we're older now, it doesn't mean it's forgotten. The body remembers, the mind doesn't forget. The It's all part of a bigger process. And I think over the time, over my life, I've used a lot of tools. I've done a lot of work. I've done a lot of body work. Like I said, yoga. Um, I've always loved, you know, dancing, improvised dance, creative dance, um, just going to going out and dancing. Um, moving my body has been a really integral part of dealing with emotions. Um, I love receiving shiatsu massage as a way of also regulating my nervous system. And, you know, I still speak to counselors every now and again, again, um, to work through things that I'm going through. So I think if we want to heal ourselves, it's a continual process. I don't think anyone has ever fully healed or, you know, normal or hundred uh, percent. I think, you know, we're always working on ourselves. We're always a work in progress, but I just want to give some hope to people out there who might be going through an experience with a child or, or is going through this experience now as a young person that there is a way there is a way forward, there is hope and with the right support and encouragement and love, uh, anything is possible. So please don't give up on yourself, don't give up on your loved ones and just being compassionate and holding space for them might be just what they need today. So thank you so much for watching and listening uh, if you have any questions or concerns or thoughts you'd like to share, please do so. If you need to speak to a counsellor after listening to this, then please get in touch with someone or give Lifeline a call. Um, that's also a very important resource to use if you do need to. All right. Until next time, take care and stay well. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode. It was a bit of an emotional roller coaster for me recording today's episode. So I appreciate you sticking through right to the very end. You are amazing and I'm sending you a big hug. So as I started off this episode asking you to support the show, if that is something you would like to do, please hit the support this show link in the show notes and throw some money my way. I will really appreciate it and it will give me the ability to continue creating more episodes more regularly. All right. Thanks again for tuning in. Until next time, stay well.